San Francisco, I'm coming to you March 6th to the 9th. And then I'm coming to Dallas, Texas, March 22 and 23. Washington, D.C., April 21st. And then San Diego, May 11th. Come see me do the standing comedy. Get tickets at FumiAbe.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Cash.
she stayed two hours just talking to me and manifesting with me. And was like, you can have it, whatever you want, just be confident about it and believe. And honestly, that was my second thing that I thought about. And then I went to go gamble again and I made more money. Okay, I know you think this is ridiculous because we'll go, we'll get into this. Um, I just want to say, I'm going to live my life like this. And since I have, I've already gotten multiple job opportunities. Now, I agree about attracting abundance, but I don't think the theme should be like rich and money. It's about it's like, not. yeah, it's about just attracting abundance in all areas. I don't think you need to be rich per se, rich. It's nice to have financial security. Yeah. But I think it's more important to be rich with the spirit. Well, that's your value system, bro. Okay? <laughs> I want to be rich. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, that was an evil laugh. You can... You, can... you, see, you see what money does to you? <laughs> I like it. By the way, thank you for this smoothie. It's not alcohol. It's a smoothie. <laughs> okay, so today's guest I wanted to introduce... He's a mental health leader, therapist? No, a uh, substance abuse counselor. Okay, he's a mental health leader, substance abuse counselor, party organizer, planner, and all around cool kid on the block. I'm 42. Whoa, and 42. What did you say cool kid? That's nice. Cool kid, oh, 42 could be a kid. That's true. Be 50 and still be a kid. That's Anyways, true. Adam White! Hello! <laughs> uh, also known as Adam Goes Ham. That's true. And I am so excited to have you on because I've known you for a bit now and you've helped me. Um, I actually am very, very inspired by you and I think you inspire a lot of people, um, especially when it comes to having some of these like interesting ways of living. Uh, we'll go into more of that later, but it has to do with solo dates. And I think you are extremely like, you're very good at it. Anyways, we'll go back into that. So I wanna ask you a bit about money, obviously. Okay. So Adam, how are you doing financially? It's funny that we're doing this podcast now because I'm doing the worst I've done in a while financially, where it's kind of scary, but it's okay. Okay. But I mean, I'm always scared of it. Here's, okay, here's my biggest fear. In 2019, I made a lot of money. Okay. And my, like, irrational fear is I've been living off this money since then, and finally it's running out, and I'm never going to make money again. But that's not true. It's not true, but do you have to, like, wake yourself up from that moment of when you tell yourself that? Yeah, I constantly, yeah, I have to, well, I told you the analogy that I told you on text, is that when I go into like financial insecurity about the future, something I have to remember, it's like, I don't say this analogy, not everybody here, it's like when you're driving in the mountains late at night and it's super dark and you have the headlights on, you can only see a few feet in front of you. That's all you need to get to where you're going. You don't need to see miles down the road. Mm. And that's the analogy I think of with finance where like, as long as I'm okay right now, I don't need mm. to like worry about miles down the road. As long as right now is okay. And I do believe that like, if I just show up and like do my best, that I don't know. I think the universe is perfect to make some mistakes. And I think everything's gonna be okay. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you read The Power of Now? <laughs> I've read The Power of Now. I've read parts of The Power of Now. Parts of it. Okay. I, I'm. I've listened to it multiple times. Well, it's funny you say that because actually with the gratitude group, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I'm gonna start a book club in August, and I've 
three books I'm thinking of, and that's one of them. Ooh, do you have to read it, or can you do an audible thing? It doesn't matter. It's kind of like cheating. What do you think? Cheating a little bit. That's not how I read books. Oh. Oh. No, no shit. Did you, yeah. And how did you feel when you 
Would you go to his house? And take advantage of him. What does that mean? He was like a dude that we didn't really like, that we hung out with, because he had money and we could play in video games and shit. Oh, and we like bully him. Because he was rich. And you oh, just felt like it was I didn't think it was because of the time. But now when you look back on it. Yeah, that's probably why. Probably oh. a part of that why. Yeah, I mean, rich kids are just like entitled and. But was he, or was it more so I'm you right. guys were projecting stuff? You don't remember. Interesting. I didn't. I mean, I guess you, people do get bullied for like Richie Rich. You know that movie? Uh-huh. Wasn't he bullied because he was like a rich kid? I don't recall. That makes sense though. Because you know, sometimes at school, like I feel like at my school growing up, it was like they were popular because they had money. So I, that's that's fascinating because I could also see. I don't think that was the situation at my school. Okay, and that was in Thousand Oaks. That was in Phoenix, Arizona. In Phoenix. Interesting. Okay. 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 Um, and what did your parents do? What kind of work did they do? My dad, um, I don't know. I guess he was, like, first in video. In Chicago, he owned a video store. Actually, the Like thir- a blockbuster type? Yeah, but he owned the third video store in the United States. Oh, shit. He said it was his idea first, but he owned the third video store in the United States. So you always thought that was bullshit growing up. No, I believe <laughs> it. Because he was the third. No, I believed it. So he did that, but then, like, he got into, um, basically, he's, like, always vice president of a different company in marketing. He always is doing marketing. So first it was, like, video, and then it was, like, streaming, and then, um, yeah, it's always, like, stuff like that. Mm. Oh, and then he is the co-founder of uh, Morpheus, which was, like, a file sharing network, like, uh, Napster, Kazaa. Yeah. Is that why you're so into the cult? Like, you're very much into film, you're into music. Do you think Maybe my dad was also like a DJ in college. No. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've learned so yeah, much about you. Yeah, he DJed like, like at the discos in Chicago and would go by The Whiz. Oh, this is even the after. The Whiz? Yeah, The Whiz. Isn't that the mattress guy? The Whiz from, uh, what is it, Seinfeld or Fred? Is one it? Of those? Yeah. The Whiz. Yeah, it's, it's from Seinfeld, I think. Uh, is it? Well, this is, this is long before Seinfeld. This is the oh, 70s. okay. All right, all right. Sure. <laughs> all right, that, that's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, okay, I want to know if you, what your first job was and when that was. My first job. You know, it's funny because I started doing drugs, like, really young. So I started drinking and smoking weed at 13. By 15, I was doing hard drugs. And, um, so yeah, so I didn't, like, work a job. I don't know. And How it's funny. How did you buy that stuff? I guess i get money from my parents or I'd sell drugs. And actually, the first time I ever got in trouble with the law, I was 16. And it was actually for credit card fraud and forgery. What were you, what the heck were you buying with your credit card at 16? Oh, it was my credit card. It was credit oh, card I mean. fraud and forgery. Um, I like, was, and, I, and when you mean by that, do you mean like you opened up a credit card? No, so what I did, what me and my, I had an older friend that was also doing like car drugs, and we were taking, this is so weird, but some, we, summer school we were taking PE, and um, I guess I would do a lot of different crimes to steal money and stuff, but people left like their purses and bags in this one room, and so me and him went in this room, and I was like grabbing cash, but he was grabbing credit cards, and... So his idea, and he kind of manipulated me, he's older than me, manipulated me into doing a thing where we went, I pretended I was a rich kid, 
in the nice part of Scottsdale, which is near Phoenix. And we went to like, uh, so this is the 90s when like um, car audio system for like a, like a subwoofer, like a big deal. Yeah. So we went to like one of those kind of places. And I pretend I was rich and it was my birthday. My mom gave me her credit card to um, buy like a car stereo system, a $2,000 car stereo system. And so I, and I even had, we had a woman pretend to be my mom when they wanted to call. Anyway, I did the whole thing. So I got a $2,000 car stereo system that I traded for dope.
like I said, so when I said I go in for a weekend to get on a DA reject, so a lot of times you get arrested for like small stuff, the DA rejects the case and you get right out of jail. And so a lot of times I get DA rejects. So I've been that a bunch of times. But do you have to pay every time you go into jail at all? Nothing. It's, it's free to go to jail. It's free to go to jail. Yeah, so I have a lot of DA rejects. And then, you know, but I've been, a, I did three months twice. So I like, you know, I've been in county jail for a minute. Here or in I did 90 days in a work furlough jail in Camarillo, near Thousand Oaks. And what does I, that mean, a work furlough? So this was different. This was in my mid-20s, and a work furlough jail meant that I was allowed to go to my job still. Um, so, like, you lived at this jail, and you were allowed to go to your job, but they time how far, how long it takes you to get from your job to the jail. Mm. So you had to get back in a certain amount of time, and then you spend the weekends there, too. Oh, interesting. They still want... It's pretty chill. <laughs> they still want you to... Uh, Be a, a poly member of society. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty chill. And then I did 90 days in LA County. Wait, so what was the job that you had while you were doing that? Working for my dad at Morpheus. So it wasn't a real job at all. Did you, what did you get paid? I don't remember. I don't know if I even got paid. You didn't care. It sounds like you didn't really care. Like you said, you I didn't, didn't care about any of the money stuff. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I would sell drugs. I'd sell drugs. Even as a kid, like, um, like when I stopped, I stopped doing meth. I started doing it in my twenties. I stopped when I was, when I got that credit card fraud and forgery. I was like, well, this is fucked up. I'm not gonna do it anymore. I started doing a lot of acid, and it's like, and I enjoyed acid. And so, I like, uh, there was like a spirit day at my school, and I won a hundred dollars. So with that, I bought a sheet of acid and I started selling acid. So I guess I would just sell drugs. Is how. Wait, it's like the money you made in school is the money you used to. Well, buy actually, drugs. this is funny. So I got a hundred dollar travel brochure from the school because it was like they made the field into like squares, and you could like bet on a square, buy a square for a buck, because all the sorts of school, and there was like prizes that people donated, uh-huh. and they like dropped a husky, like toy huskies, because that was our mascot from an airplane, and I won a hundred dollar travel brochure, and I sold it to that rich kid Barry's mom. And so I used a hundred bucks to buy a sheet of acid. What the fuck? And okay, then I would. What is a sheet of how, how many acids? And what? And you sell for five bucks a head. Wait, how do you even like? Get, I I feel like acid is one of those things you don't get addicted to, or am I wrong? I'm an addict. I got addicted to it. I ended up doing ten hits at one point because. Oh my! What? Because I was under the impression that if you wanted to like trip every day, because it eats away your serotonin or some shit. So if you want to trip every day, I already had to double the amount. So I did it every day for a week. So I did two, four, six, eight, ten. Did you learn anything when you were on these highs? Like, do you yeah, remember having no, any nothing sort of, like, that, nothing none I re- of those? Nothing I retained. Yeah, you always think you do. Like, oh, shit, I figured it out. And then the next day, you're like, hmm. Okay, so, and then you said how much were you selling these pieces for? They're five bucks a hit. There's a hundred hits in there. That seems really cheap, right? Like, on today's market, I don't know if you know anything about this. I mean, I haven't done drugs in 14 years. Congratulations, man. Like, yeah. that's, it's what's so five t- What's five times a hundred? Five, five hundred. So that's a pretty good profit. Can you buy a sheet of acid for a hundred back then in the 90s? sheet of acid yeah, for a hundred bucks that's... and sell five bucks a hit. And I would do a bunch of acid myself. Wow. So when did you, okay, so I know that it sounds like you're. Oh, I have some pretty weird jobs. I guess I'll tell you that too. So. When I was in my mid-twenties and I moved out of Thousand Oaks and moved on my own, first of all, I wasn't very financially independent because my mom was helping me with rent on the low without telling my dad. 
which is really nice. I haven't asked him for money now, and well, since I've been sober for 14 years. But back then, I would, you know. But also, I had some really weird jobs. So my dad for, was working for some like porn thing, and I was getting paid to like on these porn clips to like uh, title them and like meta tag them, and you like gotta check the clip. And this is so weird. It's such like a scumbag. I was such a scumbag, so it was such a fitting job. Where I'd watch these porn clips and I would like make up the title, and then also like there's a clip and there's a fiddle of the woman's uh, two forms of the woman's ID, so you gotta check it to make sure she's of age. I did that, and then. Wait, but your dad gave you this job. Yeah, he worked. I don't know what his title is. Porn.com was the name of the thing. It was like an old school like internet porn site. Dude, you are blowing me my mind with your stories right now because they almost feel like to a regular person this is a lot and for you this is, these are things that you went through that were normal like right. and within a short amount of time right oh and i went to whole foods for a while when was that i could see you at a whole foods actually what, was, what what department uh prepared foods which is like the deli making sandwiches and controlling the hot food bar do you ever do anything sketchy there or did you eat? Did you eat I, yeah, I, my shift was at 11 a.m. I did not eat until 11 a.m. As soon as I get there, I'd make sandwiches, but I would make sandwiches like with stuff from the cold case. So they used to have these quinoa cakes that are really good. I made like a quinoa cake hummus red pepper sandwich. And you vegan? I was vegetarian. <laughs> and I wasn't sober yet either. <laughs> and then I met somebody through Whole Foods. This is a job I did for a while. I think at the same time as the porn thing, is I met somebody through Also, oh, this was when you were younger. Uh, this is right before I got started, so when I was like 28. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so I met somebody at Whole Foods that like, there was like these cacao, can- like chocolate candies, mm-hmm. and then um, you would go set up at like Whole Foods and Air One, places like that, and do samples. And so I got that job, so I left Whole Foods to work for this job. Yeah. And it was dope, because I could like set my own schedule. I'd go to Mother's Market or Whole Foods or, or Air what One. What was I- money, like did you make, get more money from that than you did from doing the uh, Whole Foods job? Is that what, or is it just the freedom of like being able to move around? I, I don't think it was about more money, just the freedom. But then also I was selling weed. And that's So what, why were you doing that when you, is it for the money or was it more like just the lifestyle? Because at this point, I don't know if you needed the money because it sounds like people... Well, I was selling weed to smoke, to smoke weed. I was like smoking a lot of weed, so it was to smoke for free. So I wasn't spending my own money on the weed. Who do you get the weed from? Like a person? So this is actually how I, so... How I got sober, uh-huh. so I said I've been in and out of jail, and so I moved to Echo Park, and at this point I quit doing drugs, and I was just drinking, I was like doing cocaine sometimes with the drinking, uh-huh. so this is in 2009, or 2008, I've been arrested, I got arrested five times that year, so I got a DUI, I got a second DUI, I got a violation of probation for the second DUI, I got caught with cocaine, and I sold weed to a cop, so what I was doing is, this is 14 years ago, it's so like weed, there was weed shops, but it wasn't like as prevalent, so I would go to this weed shop in the valley that had good deals on houses. I'd buy my houses and I'd sell the weed, but I was selling the weed on Craigslist. And that's how I sold to a cop. So here's what I would do. Is I was selling weed at a couple regular customers, but then I got this like idea that somebody maybe told me about, that like I'd go to the Strictly Platonics on Craigslist. You know what that is? It's like a sex thing. Strictly Platonic was more of like, well, I oh, no. people were still trying to fuck them, to be honest. But it was like under the guise of being friends. It was like trying to fuck and be more passive. But um, I go to the Potomac and I type in the word 420 because people would be like, oh, I'm new to LA, I'm 420 friendly. So I would message them or email them and i say, hey, um, are you looking for a chronic hookup? I could hook you up. So I started doing that and then I got lazy and I started posting on the Craigslist, uh, 420 will deliver. 
And so a woman had reached out to me that uh, was looking for Tina, which is like a nickname for meth, and I had not, not done meth like two years at this point. And she, her picture, she was like cute. I don't know the fuck. And so I'm also recovering for sex and love addiction. So, and, so I was trying to fuck, and then I was like, I don't have any, you know, Tina, but I have cocaine and whiskey. And so I went to this house in Atwater Village with cocaine on me and a bottle of whiskey. And I pull up and I text a number or whatever. And then all of a sudden, uh, <gasps> three unmarked cars roll up on me. But I locked my car door and I took out my cocaine. And I used to smoke cigarettes back then. And I had like a red solo cup with cigarette water. So I just took the cocaine. And while they're like pounding on my door and just dumped out the cocaine and the cigarette water. Did they see you do that? Yeah. What are they oh, going to do so about can't. it? Oh, okay. What are they going to do? Oh, he saw he has it, you know? So I just pounded it away, and then I waited a minute for it to dissolve a little bit, and then I opened the car, and then I locked the car door. So I got arrested for possession of cocaine, but I got out because there's no case there. And so that was in Craigslist, so what I do when I get out of jail, I start selling weed again on Craigslist and sold to a cop. That's how fucking stupid I was. Gosh, wow. And is that, that's when you said you went... Yeah, well, yeah, so um, I had just sold a bunch of weed, and I was going to go back home for the day, back to Echo Park, where I was living at, the, at that point, and, um, and I got a, tech, a call, for, or someone from Craigslist hit me up to, um, to get, to want weed, I wanted a quarter ounce, and I thought, oh, why not, you know, I'm already out and about, and it was 100 bucks for a quarter, or 80 bucks for a quarter ounce, and he gave me a $100 bill. And I was like, let me get changed. No, it's all good. He's like, I'm sure I'll be seeing you again. And I'm like, all right. So he gets out of the car. And then I start to back up. And as I'm backing up, I see my rear view mirror that a cop came up. It's yeah. like, fuck. So I try to, like, go forward. And then there's a cop in front of me, too. And the gun's drawn. And so I threw my hands up. And I said, what did I do? What did I do, officer? I didn't do anything. And they said, you have a marked bill, you fucking idiot. Because $100 is a marked bill. Um, and so I went to jail. Again, and I thought sales you get 180 days probably, but LA County Jail is very full, so you do 10 percent of your time, so 10 percent of 180 is 18 days. So I thought maybe I'll do three weeks at the most, you know. And um, I got there to jail, and then people, other inmates, like, oh, let me see your paperwork. You know, they always ask you paperwork, and um, and always you always and everyone like thinks they're a lawyer in the in the county jail, you know. And so you're like, what do, you think, what do you think I'm going to get? And everyone's like, you're going to go to prison. You're going to get state time. And I never had done that when I done county time. And I was like, no. And then, um, sure enough, the DA and my probation officer both recommended um, state time. But I didn't get state time. I ended up getting three months in county. And then I had to do three months in rehab. Wow. Did you have to pay for that? Was no. that there's no oh, money involved? For rehab, yeah. Rehab must be really expensive. Well, here's what happened is that my dad, so I went to a Jewish rehab called Beit Shiva oh. in Culver City, and my dad has a friend who's very rich. So you have to be Jewish to go to this? No, but there's like a Jewish theme to it, but people what are not Jewish go. Like, so it's ran by a rabbi, and there's like a Shabbat oh. dinner on Friday nights, but the rabbi is like this guy that used to be a con man that's sober now, and this and this. He's really cool, actually. Rabbi Mark, I think his name is, but... um. My dad had a really rich friend, and this guy made a donation to Beit Shuba, and that's what got me in. Wow. Yeah. Did you get more religious through that, or were you... No. <laughs> okay. Okay, but it helped you. Does rehab, how was that? Did I already knew... How much is it normally? How much was rehab? I don't know. Usually, you like, 
Usually you only go to rehab that your insurance covers. What insurance? Like, what, where's the insurance? Whoever has insurance. Like, it's health under health insurance? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But you think it's like, you, so you have no clue. You have no clue. Wow. With that, that was a lot in a short time. But Fascinating. I got, but I got, um, I would have been sober without rehab. I guess I'll tell you the whole thing. What actually happened in County Jail was this. Is, so when I got three months, I first, when I thought I was going to get out quickly, I made like a list. Because uh, like, So my mom at this point is sober. And every time I get arrested, I called my mom from the jail. And she wasn't ready to admit you have a problem yet. And at uh, that time, I was like, nope. And then I was like, what do I do? So I made like a list. And I thought I was going to get out soon. So I put this list in my refrigerator. I put this list and then I have a problem. And the list was like, I was only going to drink beer and wine on the weekdays. I was only going to drink four whiskey gingers on the weekends if I stayed home. I was only going to drink six whiskey gingers if I went out. I was only going to smoke weed if I watched a comedy movie. All this dumb shit. And so I made this list. And then, um, and then I came across the Alcoholics Anonymous big book. And I started reading the big book and highlighting things I did not relate to. So I could prove to my mom I'm not an alcoholic. But by the third chapter, it became painfully obvious mm-hmm. that I was an alcoholic. But it really did it for me. So I was already having a realization, like, oh, shit. And then I love to read, but there's not a lot of books in county jail. And so I saw um, Teenage uh, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. Do you know what this is? Mm -hmm. If you don't know, it's stories written by teenagers for teenagers. Mm -hmm. I'm 29 at this point. But I'm reading this book in my bunk, and and the second chapter was on friendships. And it was these beautiful stories about friendships, and it made me cry because I was just such a piece of shit my drinking use. And I knew, like, in that moment, I was like, I'm done. Mm. I don't want to be like this anymore. You wanted connection. Yeah. And so I knew in that moment, I was never going to use again. Wow. That's... That, those books, man. Yeah, I guess I had a moment. Those books are extremely... Like, I, it was really popular at one point. Like, I remember in high school, we were all reading those, and it, it made you... Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earnin. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access, plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. Hey, remember when you said you were going to get me that gift from Japan last week? Whatever happened to that? Oh, yeah. I kind of ran out of funds, but I'm going to use Earn In to get you that last-minute gift because you're a loved one. Yay! Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Cuties under Podcast. When you sign up, it'll really help the show. Cuties under Podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. EarnIn is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Cry. Like, they were very emotional. Like, yeah, I you know, I've re-bought it, but I haven't re-read it yet. Should we both read them? 
maybe we'll... Yeah, there's so many renditions of it, too. Mm. It's like, there's probably a finance one somewhere. That's right? True. That's true. <laughs> okay, well, oh, wow, I'm so happy you're sober and you're doing well and you're, you know, a leader in this space and that you've been... You're st- I find it fascinating because I think when people go to rehab or they do this thing and they st- stick to something this important, they st- I didn't know they stick to it this long. And I feel like you're a very consistent person if you've been doing this for this many years. Um, is this like a lifestyle, like a forever? Like, I, I'm not very... Yeah, but I didn't stick... So, like, when I got out of jail, I, um, that time, I, like, leaned really heavy in the, I, like, east side, I got Echo Park AA. And this is in 2009, so I leaned really heavy into it for like a year or so. And um, I didn't really work the pro- work the program as I do the steps. I didn't really do the steps, right? Half past did them. Really, I was just hanging out with other sober people that are newcomers. And I was having a connection, and we were going out, and having fun. And I was going to go dance, and going to comedy shows with like sober people. Like, we call them like trudging buddies, you know? Mm-hmm. People you like trudge the path with. Mm-hmm. And so that was really good. And then as soon as I took drugs and alcohol out of my life, mm-hmm. um, that's when I started throwing shows and parties, and it blew up, and I started making a lot of money, and, um... Wow, so you started throwing parties after you went sober. Yeah. I was a loser when I was using drugs and drinking. I didn't do cool shit. Well, there was a time, I remember you showed me some, like, you used to rap? There was a little bit of I was of sober rap. for that, too. What? That's... I was a loser when I used that. I didn't do cool shit. That is so cool. That's very, uh, not the typical. You're aware of that. Like, that... People are typically partying and either using their or they're on substance. That's the whole point of part. A lot of people think right. is partying. There are so many people in my life right now. I don't know if you've been noticing more people becoming sober or they're aware. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And they're going to AA. And I have a lot of friends like that who I'm very proud of. But like I, I wonder what, why do you think that is? What do you think is happening right now? It's just, it just seems like a lot of the people I know, or I, I don't know if it's just like, you know, when you get to a certain age, you're just, you know, you're a bit more That's aware of, I don't know, death or something, or... I don't know. Hold on one second. I'm going to get paper towels. I'm sweating my ass off. Yeah. It is. You want paper towel? No, I'm good. You're not sweating like I am? No. Oh my God. <laughs> we got to, we have so, I have... Dude, I'm like in the first, like, there's so many other questions I have. This oh is like, goodness. wait, but how are you on time? Because right now, I want to make sure I'm there. I want to be there at 8 p.m. Okay, because it's, we, we've only done 40 minutes. Oh so. Okay, let's do this. Okay, okay, let's keep, let's just like, move so on. I don't think it has to do with like, I think people are always getting sober. That's always been a thing. I think right now, like, culturally, there is like, non alcoholic sober curious is a thing, non alcoholic mocktails is a thing. So, like, I guess culturally, like, a sober curious thing is happening. But as far as, like, people getting sober from substance abuse, I mean, that's always a thing. That's always right. Okay. All right, let's go back into your uh, money thing. What is your... Okay, so I know that when you... I asked you for your, you know, finding a credit card, you didn't have a credit card, right? Oh. So you use, use like, a debit card. Yeah, because when I um, was younger and on drugs... I like got a credit card. It used to be easier in the nineties with credit cards, yeah. where I was able to buy things when I didn't have money. Oh, I just like fucked things up, and so I just don't trust. Do you me. know what your credit score is? Yeah, when I moved into this apartment, it was literally zero. I had no credit score. And they just let you. No, I, when I first moved in here, uh, I had a roommate. This den was the second room. Wow. Okay. And he okay. Had good, and he had good credit. Um. 
So you said you started making money partying. How much money were you making when you were throwing these parties in LA? What, they were called Ham on Everything. Ham on Everything. Yeah. All right, so. Which is like a really well, cool let me, let me Let me say, first, I was sober for a year mm-hmm. and really leading into sobriety. Mm-hmm. And then I started throwing parties. It got good. And I stopped going to meetings. And I started selling drugs. Sober? Yeah, that's how actually I. This is, I shouldn't say that. I fun at the parties in the beginning. How much, what, what, how much were you selling? What were you selling? I don't know. Should I talk about this bad? I, mean, I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> you probably don't have to. I don't, but I don't know. You already talked about so much. I'm like, is this the thing that's going to I mean, what does it matter? This is like a decade ago. Yeah, so decade You're a different person. Yeah, so I was selling cocaine. Um, like, so I was going like after our parties and selling cocaine there. And I was making a bunch of money. And then... And I really enjoyed like, the lifestyle that came with it. But then the shows and the parties are doing so good that I didn't have time to sell cocaine. I didn't have time to sell cocaine anymore. How much money were you making throwing the parties? Would you, what would you charge? You charge like $5 or something to get in? Or what, how did it work? Uh, I mean, this is like, so when Ham and Everything was really popular, it was like, I rent a warehouse, I rent sound, I do this, I do this, I charge 10 bucks, uh, you know, 1000 kids. It was like crazy. So I was making a lot of money. Yeah, and it was like, and it was like all under the table, you know, because like illegal underground warehouse parties. Okay, so you were were you saving money or were you putting no. it into the next party? What were you doing with money? Putting it into the next party and spending it. What would you spend it on? Because this is your first taste of a Club, lot of money. Yeah, clothes, all types of stuff. Like streetwear. What were you buying? No, I don't know. I, just, I, don't, I never sure. I, I was like into polo for a minute. Did you pay for other people? Were you like the type of person like if you no. go party? Interesting. Okay, cool. 
Um, but the, um, oh, what I what somebody said to me, so actually I was on one of those Skull Candy shoots. Mm-hmm. And you know the rapper LaKale47, is that her name? She wears yeah. a mask. So we were doing something with her, I booked her for Skull Candy, and I was talking to her manager in the green room, and he was like, he said, in like passing in conversation, he goes, if you do something really good for a decade, like if you master something for a decade, it's time to master something else. And at that point, I'd been doing having everything for nine years, and I was pretty burnt out on it. And so when he said that, I was like, oh shit, that's what I've been feeling. And also at this point, I'm like, you know, 40 fucking years old, and I'm throwing a party that's like very youth culture. And I was like, how long can I do this for? And I just read this book around that time called One Day. It's this fucking book where like this man and woman get together in college. And then the book picks up on that same day for the next, like, 30 years. And so you're getting, like, screenshots of their life. And the guy's really cool in college. He ends up working for, like, an MTV type of thing for youth culture. And then he's in his 40s, and he's, like, still trying to hold on to his relevancy in youth. And I was like, oh, my God! I had, like, an existential crisis reading it. And so for him to say, we get something really good that's something for a decade, it's time to do something else. And I was like, fuck, I do probably need to do something else. And so, um... During the pandemic, when live music was on hold, I couldn't do ham on everything. That's when I started. Um, at first, I was just chilling and enjoying and enjoying myself. But then uh, I started volunteering at a rehab, and I loved it. And that's when I went back to school to become a counselor. And um, so now that that's my life, now that my livelihood is in DJing and throwing parties. It's being a counselor. It makes DJing and throwing parties so much more fun. Huh. Re- why do you still DJ? Why do you? What, what is the purpose for you to throw those parties? Well, it's well, it is extra pocket money, which is nice, but also it's just fun, and I feel like it's actually engaging my inner child. The parting part, like yeah. just to what, DJ. What part, what part to DJ. That? DJing is really fun. That's your favorite thing about the parting is the because you don't have to throw the party to do it, but there must be something you love communities. I think. Yeah, I do love community. I'm really good at bringing community together. Not always, but been good after What's the decade. key to success to that? I don't know, dumb luck. I have, like, no, like, um... You, you, you don't live by... Mine is very... Everything is, I do is very organic. None of it is, like, calculated. Remember when I had my birthday and I was so nervous about... I had never thrown a birthday party for myself, and I was like, ah, I don't think anyone's gonna come. I, a lot of people have this fear about their birthday, like, no one coming. That's yeah, it's childhood trauma. I do have friends. I need to read that chicken soup book. <laughs> um, but I did it because you actually were like, just do it. That's all you said. You didn't even, like, you barely gave me any, like, it was just like, just do it. And I was like, okay. And I literally was like, I was so nervous. And this is, like, recently. This is like That's fine. You helped and you DJed, and it was really nice of you. Yeah. But my friends were like, you did the most. They were like, because there was like a tattoo. There was someone doing tattoos. I, and my place is tiny. Do you see how tiny my place is? We still live really close to You didn't have to do all that. Yeah, you can No, I know, but I, this is, that's, I'm a Virgo. That's just how I, I don't know. And I don't, I, I think I put so much pressure around it. I, you know, I bought, I didn't know what, I don't drink. I was like, oh, I'm going to buy a fucking jug of what? I, I, I think I bought a jug of like Jack Daniels because I asked them like, what's the right drink? What's the most popular drink? Can I tell you a metaphor for being a perfectionist? Is be careful when you wear a halo because it can slip and become a noose. You're so dark. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That's no, true. Like, you know, what perfection is dangerous. <laughs> no, it, it is dangerous. It is dangerous. And so I, I really appreciate that you did that. It was just, I just, the crazy, I was being so intense, but I'm glad I did it. 
I haven't thrown a birthday party since. Because <laughs> I also oh, that drug of alcohol that I bought nervously, <laughs> I dropped it in the garage. And it was like fifty something dollars. And I was like, this is really stupid. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually I should I should throw more parties. I should throw more parties because it makes me nervous. <sighs> okay, anyways, on let's keep going. You do this really amazing thing that um I am I just think is fucking cool. It's these gratitude Sunday or Saturday gratitude groups. It's usually Sundays. Sun usually Sundays. This week was like Saturday, I think. Um tell us a little bit about it. Okay, so Oh. So I guess I should go back then because when I said that so remember I got sober, it was really in the AA and I was hanging out with newcomers. I started throwing parties, I stopped going to meetings, I started selling drugs, then that went away because parties were going so good. I was making a bunch of money and I wasn't, like, I didn't relapse, but I um, was, like, not working a program or, like, I wasn't, like, emotionally sober. I was just a maniac and I was just, like, <laughs> trying to control and manage every part of my life. And um, I hit, a, like, an emotional bottom seven years ago and um, that's when I got into self-care. And so... At that point, I'd already been, like, throwing parties that were popular. Some people were used to going to parties I threw or stuff I DJ'd at. And then I started doing a lot of self-care content on my Instagram. So people were used to, like, engaging, like, self-care content with me. And so during the pandemic, I had a friend who actually does a really cool thing called floating. If you're in L.A., look up feels like floating. Um, mm-hmm. Before it was floating, he just had this outdoor space in East L.A., and he was doing, like, yoga and sound. This is, like, 2020 September. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, still pretty covid mm-hmm. And he was doing, like, sound baths and yoga and shit outside, mm-hmm. you know? And then I talked a lot about my morning routine, like, my slow morning routine. And so he was, like, yeah, September 2020. And he was, like, why don't you come up here to the space and host your morning routine? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, yeah, come up, play ambient music and journal. And I was, like, yeah, I could do that. Oh. So I did that in that September, but then there was, like, a surge in COVID afterwards, so I didn't do it again, and then I was doing it on Zoom for a while, with, like, eight people would come every Sunday, and we'd just journal on Zoom and share, and then um, that clothing brand, which is now called Market, you see it called Chinatown Market? Yeah. So they reached out to me in May 2021, and they, because I used to be part of a thing called Community which was like me and some other party promoters uh-huh. and we would invite party kids we did it at the Echoplex um, yeah. to come to the Echoplex during the day and we'd order pizza and we had somebody do like a Narcan um, you know what Narcan is? if someone's like overdosing on opiates oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we'd like a Narcan demonstration and so anyways Chinatown marketed me up for May Mental Health Month in 2021 and they said are you still doing community meeting we want to donate to something uh, local I said no, but I have another idea about doing this journaling group at a park. And so then they donated to the first one, and that's why I started doing it. How much money did they donate? A thousand bucks. Oh, okay. And that was enough. And are you making money now off doing these? No, yeah, but I have an idea how to. You don't want to share right now? Yeah, I can share how. Um, <laughs> I think that I'm going to start making t-shirts. Oh, I love that. And I also want to make a coffee mug. 
like a slow mornings mug. You're such a coffee person. Perfect. Yeah, and it's part of the slow mornings graduate group. So the graduate group, what it is, is we meet up usually on Sunday, every other Sunday morning, and I come there with coffee and donuts first, and then people come in, hang out, a hundred people come to each one, coffee and donuts, and then we do a sound bath meditation for 30 minutes, and then we I give journal prompts, we journal, and then we um, share. But now, I've been doing it for two years, but so now we do other things too. We just did a big game of Capture the Flag, which is meant to like engage people's inner children. Mm-hmm. So we did Capture the Flag, we do hikes, we just did an arts and crafts thing where we made like um, ceramics. So like, I do a lot of things with the community. So yeah. I think I want to start selling merch and then coffee mugs, but then awesome idea I have uh-huh. is making a self-date journal. I love that. Because you know, I'm really into self-dates and that's like, a lot of people know me for it. So I want to make a journal that has to do with like getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And um, where it's like a self-date challenge where I also, so I'll give you different challenges of self-dates to do. And then there's a journal space to reflect on what it was like for you. I love that. Okay, so that for people like who don't know what a solo date is, the first time I really heard about that was through that book. Um, shoot, I'm, I'm blanking out. The Artist's Way. Did you oh, ever wow. read that? No. Oh, it talks about, uh, she helps artists. Yeah, artist date. I know what it is. You know, you know what it is. Uh, but for other people, a lot of artists um, who don't feel like they have like a way to follow any sort of like like it's a way to figure out how to become more creative if you're you want to be more of an artist it's kind of like it helps you break out of any sort of non-creative thing that you're doing and I think a lot of people start there's this one part where it's like you go on solo dates you take yourself out you spend like a few dollars uh, but how important it is to like be alone and do things that make your inner child happy Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's I thought cool. that's kind of where I thought your yeah. idea, is that kind of an AA thing or what? No, so, like I, so when I didn't go to meetings for like six years, and I was just like making money and being crazy, and I was trying to control and manage every part of my life, I didn't need peace of mind or serenity, but also I was like acting out, like I said, I'm also in recovery for sex and love addiction, and so I would either like act out, but getting, the pattern was get validation from sex, and then if somebody didn't have sex with me immediately, then I would put all the magical qualities on them, and then I would chase them because I was in love with them, and I had to make them like, <laughs> yeah. and it's usually somebody yeah. that like was out of my league yeah. or whatever that means, you know? And then they would become like yeah. this thing, and then I would sabotage, well, I would chase, get them, then sabotage the relationship, yeah. so it would become a pull and tug, because the truth is I hated myself. And so if I was in like a tremotrous relationship, where there's a lot of pull, pull and tug, uh, pull and tug, yeah, push and pull. Anyways, a lot of push and pull, then I wouldn't have to think about, like, my void, you know? Because the chaos of the relationship fills the void. Mm-hmm. And um, I was doing a lot of that, and then, so the pattern kept happening, and there was another relationship that in 2015 that ended the same way they always do. And then this time, um, I was really heartbroken, too heartbroken from a break with somebody really did with for a few months. Yeah. And then, um, what happened was I would do things during the day to like outrun the voice, the like uh-huh. negative self-talk voice. But at night when I lay my head on the pillow, the voice would get really loud and then yeah. say, I'm not lovable. Uh-huh. No one, if anyone gets to know me, they see I'm not lovable. I'll be alone forever. I'm not good enough. And the voice was really loud. And I was laying in this bed right here, actually. And I remember thinking to myself, we're in my apartment. That's why I said in the bed right here. Um, 
And I remember thinking to myself, like, this is why people use drugs or drink. It's like, shut the voice off. And I knew I wasn't going to do drugs or drink. And so I wasn't suicidal, but the thought was, how else does somebody shut their brain off, you know, by putting a fucking bullet in it? And so that was a scary place to be in. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I need to start going to AA again. And But I was thinking about, instead of alcohol, I was thinking about this woman. But then I realized that there's another program, a 12-step program, that's about relationships. And so I got sober in that program. And in that program, we talk about sober dating. I mean, about self-dates. Mm -hmm. And just about learning to have self-love. And so when I heard this, that, and that, and those meetings about self-dates, I was like, oh, shit, because I'd been, I used to, like, there's a concert I wanted to go to. I'd buy two concert tickets, and if I couldn't find someone to go with, I just wouldn't go. And I just, like, I, I just couldn't imagine, you know, I was just like, when we do stuff like that, you know, the message we're sending to our brain is that we aren't worthy of the experience if someone else isn't there to validate it for us. And I did that so much in my life. I couldn't even imagine getting lunch by myself, you know, going to get, see a movie by myself. And so I really leaned heavy into self-dates. And it's interesting because I didn't, like, think I was, like, worthy of self-dates. I just did it because I heard in those meetings. And literally it made the voice quiet, quiet, quiet. I mean, we say in AA there's a saying that says you can't, you can't think your way in a right action, but you can act your way. Wait, you can't think your way in a right action, but you can act your way in a right thinking. So I just did the actions of someone that loves themselves, and I love myself now. And I think that our brains are just, like, so programmable that if you just act as if, your brain will, like, follow suit eventually. Totally. Uh, my therapist always talks about how, like, your neuro pathways can change if you keep practicing this thing for, you know, 30 or 90 days, 30 to 90 yeah. days, and then you can start believing this thing that you are forcing yourself to essentially That's believe. That's literally what happened to me. Yeah, and I think it's so important to do kind things for yourself because I think a lot of people's anger and hatred comes from not doing the thing they want to do. And it could be the simplest thing like just grabbing a cup of coffee for yourself. You yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah. you have so people have so many excuses for not doing things that you want to do, like whether it's money, you don't have time or you don't you know, whatever it is, you're like, oh, I don't deserve this thing. And it could be literally a cup of coffee. And I think a lot of times, though, what stops us from doing it is just discomfort. You know, human yeah. beings, like any form of discomfort, we try not to feel the discomfort. Yeah. That's what addiction's about, you know? Yeah. And people have addictions to all types of shit. You feel discomfort, you go on your phone, you start scrolling. You know, like, and so I think that, like, when I started doing things for myself, for instance, I've always really niche things I like. Mm -hmm. Like, I like really, like, wacky, like, avant-garde jazz. I like going to like book readings. I don't like people like doing this stuff. And so I would start going by myself uh, to prove that I was like worthy of the experience. But I would go right when the thing started. So I wouldn't have to like sit around and be awkward waiting for it to start. But you know what happens when you go to somewhere right when it starts? You don't get a fucking seat, you know? And like for jazz, I like to sit in the front row and watch them play, watch their fingers. And so to do that, I have to get there early and be the first one in line. Yeah. And so I just started doing things like that where like I would do things that were uncomfortable yeah. because I knew on the other side of the discomfort was an experience that I really totally. wanted to have. It's uh, over, like really, as just like typical that it, it's just to overcome a fear, you have to do the fear. Like you yeah. have to continue to do the thing. Yeah. So if you feel uncomfortable talking to people, go talk to people. Like that's literally what you do to change the neuropathy. Yeah. All right. So 
I kind of looked at your finances and I noticed a few things. I noticed that you took you take yourself on trips. I know you don't have a car, but I noticed like you've taken a few like there's this trip that you went to Big Sur. Uh -huh. You spent four hundred eighty-two dollars. On the rental car? No, just generally the whole trip. Oh. This includes your food and just being out there generally. I don't think that's that bad at all for a, a I think it ended up being less than that. You think it was less? You think it's less than two? Well, that's that's amazing for like a five. You go on like five day trips. True, true. So I saw that you went to San Diego uh -huh. and you spent three hundred fifty dollars there. Okay. This is including gas and things like that right, right. for that trip. That you spent four hundred ninety four dollars in the last three months on clothes. Ordering t shirts. No, yeah, is. yeah. I had a few. Uh, I wanted to know what some of these like purchases were because I was like, "What the hell is Infinity Cat?" Do you know what that is? No. How much did I spend on it? Two hundred twenty-six dollars. What is it called? Infinity Cat. Infinity Cat. Yeah. yeah. With a K A T. Look it up. Hold on. Oh, okay, that's my car insurance. <laughs> Wait, you have car you don't even have a car, so how does that Yeah, work? but I can rent a car and stuff. So you still you still have to have like non-driver auto insurance. Oh, so that's two hundred twenty-six dollars you spent the last three months. Because I just had to renew it. Got it. Oh interesting. I didn't know they had that. So it's like every time you drive a car no, you still have to I, every year I have to pay it. Oh that it's only two hundred twenty eight to do I that. I think it's two twenty eight every six months. Got it. Enter the night. You spent seventy-eight dollars. I love their clothes. What the this heck is, is that? Entered, a brand? This is Enter the Night shirt. Oh, amazing! So this is before Sunrise, which is one of my favorite movies. Okay, so in the last three months, do you do you want to tell me what kind of food do you think you spent the most? Stop looking at this! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> what kind of food do you think you spent the most money on? Stop looking at Sorry. it! Breakfast burritos. <laughs> is that right? No. What? It was actually tacos. In the no, actually, you spent eight hundred dollars on coffee and coffee shops in the last three months. Eight hundred dollars. That makes you happy. It makes you happy. But I'm assuming you're like working out of these spots, and you're probably like buying a little sandwich or a snack when you're there. Oh my god! You go to you like I've seen where you go like like it's like charges within like six seven days, and it's like all like. You, you go to coffee shops like twice a day. I don't do it twice a day. Well, it, it looked like it. I don't know. It looked like it. Um, oh, part of it also is this. Hold on. I also buy my own coffee beans, oh, and that's expensive too. How much is this? How much are you paying? Like 20 bucks. Movies. You love live entertainment. Um, you spent... Uh, oh, I want... Okay, let me... I have a question for you. Live entertainment, you spent about $300 on live entertainment and $190 on movies. What is the ideal date for you and how much do you have to spend on yourself, do you think, to be the perfect date? I mean, I'm gonna spend a lot of money. I mean, perfect date, go to a free museum. But you don't. I know you spend money on these things, so I'm saying, how much is the ideal? If you could like take yourself on a date every single night. I know, I mean, let's look at what I did yesterday. Yesterday was like a, big, a lot of things. Do you spend money on when you go on dates? Of course. Or do you split things? I like to split things. <laughs> I think it's like you're equal. You should be splitting things. It's either you split things or like you're using this time, I guess next time. Or vice versa. If you like them more, do you spend any more? No. 
I think that like. And what is your love language? I think it's like two adults showing up. I don't think like it should be like I'm your fucking dad or something. Whoa. No, I'm serious though. Two adults showing up on a date with the fucking money. We're, what is your like? I'm I'm worthy of um having company without me having to pay for it. Okay. Um. Yeah. What's your love language? Like, what is it that you do to treat someone else to show that you care? What are the love languages? What are the choices? Acts of service, like doing things. I do that. Words of affirmation, I saying you look beautiful. I do all of them. Except money, giving gifts. Do you, or do you buy little gifts? Like, do you do you like to give? I noticed you spend money on flowers. You spent like a few hundred dollars on flowers, and I was curious about that. Um, well, I do buy myself flowers, but also the woman that I was uh, dating. Oh. Uh, I don't know. We're like in a no contact period right now, so I don't know how to talk about the relationship. But um, I bought her flowers on Mother's Day. Is she a mother? Yes. Oh, that's really nice. That's cute. Okay. Oh, you buy yourself flowers? I buy myself flowers. Nice. All right. Well, that was that was it. Did you have fun? What did you feel about that? I was. I feel like I should do that kind of spreadsheet thing for myself more often and see where I'm spending. What did you learn about yourself? Well, you know what? As I have. This coffee I spent money on here, and I have um, like a a hand grinder, and so and I I can like make nice coffee for myself at work. I don't need to go to the coffee shop. I think I might start doing that because if I could save fucking you know if I don't go as often, if I could save five hundred bucks a month by doing that, why not? Wow, we are changing lives out here, saving money here and there. I might start doing it. I never thought about doing it. Hell yeah, dude. Because you know what? Is I have so much financial insecurity that I try not to look at it. Uh, I barely even like to look at my balance. I just don't like to look at it. He was the first person to... I feel like you were the first person to take screenshots, and I had to manually put input your information. Do you, do you know how many hours that took? This took me over three hours to do, because I really genuinely wanted to know about how much you were spending on... Um, your solo dates. Like, I was so curious because I get so inspired when I watch your stories. People, you need to go follow him because he has the best, you're like a LA cultural, like, um, what do you call it? Like, uh, you take in a lot of culture and you know all the best. Yeah, so I do like these weekend picks where I put in um, 10 things to do the weekend and it's very like cultural. So here's the thing. Some of it's free. Yeah, I put a lot of free shit. Here's the thing is that like, I was always like that. I'll tell you what happened is that a few years ago, I went to New York and I for like a week, and I did like cool shit every fucking day, all day in New York, all this cool artsy shit. And then I was like, I live in fucking Los Angeles. We have arts and culture here. Why don't I do this shit at home? And ever since then, I have lived life on my weekends wow. as if I'm a tourist. Bro, you people need to travel more because you learn some shit. Yeah. You literally learn so much from traveling. Yeah, I'm like going. I was in New York going to see comedy shows and art galleries. Yeah. I'm like, why don't I do this at home? Why am I sitting at home watching Netflix? The fuck? Adam, I had the same shit. You know, for me, it was I was walking everywhere. And when I was here, I was like, why the fuck aren't I walking around my neighborhood? There's flowers. There's beautiful things happening. And it's changed my life. Yeah. Blossoming, you know, just fucking, it's a workout. It feels good. Yeah. It was just a little travel. You guys come to travel. I agree. Anyways, all right. Well, um, we want to hear from you, and uh, we want to hear about your
your spending habits, so please email us at cashcuties at gmail.com and tell us what financial topics you want us to talk about. Um, if you have any questions at all, we love that. Wait, can I say one more thing? <laughs> a self-date doesn't have to be spending money on yourself. You know, because I think when you think about being romantic, you probably don't think about things you're just spending a bunch of money. So make a list of, like, romantic dates you'd like to do and just do them for yourself. So a lot of times it could be just, like, taking a walk around a park and having a picnic. Do that for yourself. Okay, That's can you... I love that. And we can find more of that, those Adam Wise wisdom words. Where can they find you? On Instagram, Adam Goes Ham. And then that's also my TikTok. My TikTok seems to be quite popular. Whoa! Yes, what right? are the numbers at? Is it pretty hot right now? And that's like my newest... That's um, his thing. He, that's my newest thing. And come check out his um, gratitude groups. I have... 